This is Iron Sports on 95.9106.9. We're taught we're honored to have Fessy Sataki, the passing game coordinator and wide receivers coach for BYU. Uh, thanks a lot, Fessy, for coming on the show today. No problem. Thank you for having me. So, Fessy, you're at Weber State. You're the offensive coordinator, yep. and you decide to recruit Zach Wilson to come to Weber State. You're probably the only person out there uh, that's interested in Zach. And then, and then you, and then, then you switch positions to go with your cousin at BYU to become the passing game coordinator, wide receivers coach. And as you do that, um, BYU hadn't been really recruiting uh, Zach at all. And then you sort of were the linchpin to try to bring Zach to BYU, and now the number two player, perhaps in the, the NFL draft. So, give us a little backstory about how this all happened and what what you saw in Zach that no one else at the time saw in him. Yeah, well, yeah, so I, I uh, it was his sophomore year in the summer, um, and he had just, he was at University of Utah's camp. That's where he wanted to go. That was his dream school. His dad played there, and their family's very deep-rooted at the University of Utah. So uh, being at Weber State, we went to all the other in-state football camps and tried, tried to see if we can get some recruits, and uh, I saw Zach. I was coaching the quarterbacks and running the offense, and I was looking at some quarterbacks, and uh they had a lot of high-profile guys up there. I remember, I remember that year, and Zach was easy to uh, overlook because he did not look the part yet. <laughs> he was very scrawny, just a noodle. But when he threw, there was just something there. You could see how the ball came out of his hands. And when you project his size, obviously you look at his dad, you knew he was going to get bigger. As hard as it was to see past the skin and bones, um, you knew he was going to get bigger. But he had this ability to throw throw the ball, and I knew by the end of it, I was going to offer him. But I didn't I didn't like to offer kids at other people's camps. Um, so I said, hey, I went to talk to dad. I said, hey, next week, we're holding our camp um, at Weber State. Bring Zach along, and that was easy for him to come because he didn't have any offers. And so um, he came to our camp. Uh, I knew there was an offer that was going to be there as long as he continued to do what he did. And same, he just continued to impress us the way he threw. Threw him his offer, and we were his loan offer for like a year. Um, and it allowed me to monopolize on that time to just develop a relationship with him. He was so good at reaching out. You know, we were kind of limited in our ability to recruit him, but he was great at staying in consistent contact. We developed a great relationship. And so by the time all these other schools were able to come on board, his, his uh, entering his senior year, and at the end of it, um, I, we had a pretty, uh, pretty deep developed relationship. Um, that I, I'm grateful to have. So that's kind of how I was first introduced to him. The thing I saw, like I said, mine, despite his size, the guy could just spin the ball um, naturally. So you go to BYU, and he was like, he was sort of upset. I was reading some things that he said he was upset that BYU hadn't offered him, and you were probably yeah. in saying, hey, guys, this guy I've been recruiting Weaver State. He is the real <laughs> deal. Yeah. And the nice thing is it didn't take much selling because the new offensive staff at that time, um, Aaron Roderick, obviously, who was his position coach, Aaron knew him from Utah as well um, and was able to see the same things I did. Um, I just had the luxury of offering him and developing a relationship um, through that offer. Kalani knew about him already and um, didn't have to really oversell himself because he knew we all loved him. So it was a pretty pretty smooth transition. But, yeah, I, I – we knew when we got here, we had three weeks to work with. This guy was going to sign mid-year. We knew he was graduating early. He was committed to Boise State. We had about two and a half to three weeks to do a full-court press and try and swing him. And I think a lot of those invested relationships we had really helped out. Otherwise, you know, it, 
obviously it probably wouldn't have happened. And so we're glad we had a built-in time, you know, before uh, he, he actually inked it down and made it official with another key. Well, they said that his whole garage is still filled of Boise State sweaters and, and shirts and T-shirts and everything. I think he was going to go there. Yeah. But, yep, uh, it's not visible, it's, but they're there still. So. <laughs> so, and then you did get a chance to, I mean, he talks about how his dad was his quarterback coach. His dad was the inspiration in terms of him, you know, practicing and training and everything. And, and in his background, he was more of a basketball player. He would play basketball morning, noon, and night, which is great in terms of having such diverse skills. But the point is, uh, you mentioned in a tweet, I'm only bringing this up because someone tweeted out that, oh, he's more of an entitled kid and, and some, some attitude issues. But for someone like you who's experienced everything, even recruiting him, what did you see when you, I saw you tweeted back? You're like, no, he's the greatest kid in the world. But what did you, what's your ex- experiences with him were like? Yeah, Zach's one of those kids that works so hard for everything that he built up this innate confidence. And that confidence, when it's perceived by people who don't really know him, I just think naturally, especially in the sports world, when we have a guy that's sitting on the fence on how we perceive him, we're going to lean towards the controversial side. We're going to lean towards cocky, entitlement. We're going to, just because that's just, just the way it is, especially with sports, right? right. And so we, we were able to, you know, I'm going to speak as a staff and obviously myself personally, like see the side that just this guy loves, loves football and is so passionate about it and works as hard as anyone I've ever seen so he carries himself with a confidence about, you know, and so when you look at him just through the football lens, that's kind of that's kind of easy to see. Well, forget all the football stuff. We're, we see the type of human being he is, the way he interacts with his teammates, the way he blesses other people's lives, families who are struggling, um, you know, who are losing members, it, just the way he inserts himself in, into other families and uh, individuals' lives and and blesses them and brings them happiness like that to me is really what even offsets everything else and just makes all those outlandish statements just just seem that uh, you know just 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 out there so so that's why you know I, I came to his defense so did other coaches and players you know normally I'm sensitive about what I put out but that's that was just I think a mockery of his character and so it was a great opportunity for all of us to just speak to the person he really is. Yeah, I mean, even Trevor Lawrence got criticized for that when he says that I'm not defined by football. People are like, oh, he doesn't care about football. And I'm like, well, it's more from a religious <laughs> connotation. And he's like saying what, you yeah. know, so for say something like that, again, I thought that was just because someone makes a comment. Yes, we're, you know, because they, they believe in God and have faith and those things. It's not a criticism yeah. how hard they're going to study to be a football player. Right, exactly. And I'm glad you used that example. It's just that's one, what comes along with sports and high profile players. You know, people are looking for opportunities to keep these guys in a football box. So I actually think it's refreshing to see that controversy because it brings people's character to light and it allows us to speak to the human being as opposed to the football player. Yeah, and then he comes in to, in 2018, he doesn't start uh, the, the year that you have a quarterback. I think it was like a three-year starter in Tanner Mangum, yeah. who was the starter. Yep. And they were three and three. And then you then you decide to make a quarterback change. Was it one of those things where you, you were just you thought that was he just impressing you in practice? What was the reason to make that change in that freshman year to say, okay, now we're gonna this is gonna be Zach's time to, to shine? Yeah, just from my vantage point, and uh, you know, you could tell every week this guy was just getting better and better. We knew as a freshman that he was going to be the face of BYU. It's just going to be a matter of time and just how things shook out and so at that point in the season he obviously was just getting better and we just felt we hit a we're hitting a little bit of a stalemate 
as an overall offense. And it wasn't just on the quarterback. It was just everything, how we were operating. That includes us as coaches. And we just needed a um, some new blood, you know, a, a fresh scene. And so that's why we threw that out there and thought we'd give it a shot. And, and obviously we it was the, we thought it was the right move and it worked out well for us. But yeah, it was just we just felt it was a good timing for that. Yeah, he beat Hawaii and then then they lost to Illinois and then he had that game against Brett Rippey and against Boise State. I watch a lot of BYU games because I'm a, a college ball junkie. And if I'm at like a Penn State game or any games I go to, you guys are on like at eleven o'clock or one in the morning. I'm still I want the whole day to end to watch this much. So I probably see much more BYU than almost anyone out here in West Palm Beach. But then at the end of the year, you were beating number seventeen Utah twenty seven to. 14. Utah came back with 21 in the fourth, but Zach had a, another great game, uh, 204 yards, two touchdowns. So, and ending the year, for the year, 12 touchdowns, three interceptions, and they ended up going to the Potato Bowl and beating Western Michigan. So it's sort of like this progression during the year where it just kept, seemed to be getting better. Yeah, it was. It was really cool to just to see his progression. There was a lot of ups and downs, and, and there were a lot of things that factored into that, but it was just, yeah, you look at that game, game six as a freshman, um, before headed into this mo- this past season, the growth involved there, even though people are very quick to, to point out little things and inconsistencies and ups and downs, like there was growth amongst all of that. And then obviously for him to cap off his career here at BYU the way he did with this past season was um, it was not a shocker. It was just it was just a matter of time. And, I'm, you know, I'm glad we were all able to see it up close and in person. And then a lo- some comments people say is, well, we didn't play in a Power 5 conference and those things. I look at your schedule in 2019. This is the sophomore year. You, you lost to Utah 30-12 to against Tyler Huntley. Who, Utah, that was a great t- Utah team. Then you have to beat Tennessee in Tennessee in two overtimes. And then you beat USC at home against Keaton Slovis, who people think is going to be the first player taken next year in overtime. And then you played another, another ranked team in Washington. So it was like you had four ranked teams all week, week after week that year. Yeah, that's the exact thing I'm talking about, and I'm glad you know I'm glad you're bringing that to light. It's the the same comparison I talk about when you're speaking to an individual's character like Zach, and there's there's a fence to sit on. Everyone's going to lean towards the the negative, you know, the ego, the entitlement. Well, when you speak about a season like you're saying, people forget that. People forget those games that he really stepped up, made huge plays, and brought us big victories. But it's still a fence because the season was a fence, right? We were seven and six and had a lot of close ones. Well, everyone's quick to point out some of those losses, and it's easy to pin that on Zach when a lot of those things weren't. It was just our team figuring out our identity. There's so many factors that went into some of those losses that shouldn't have been, you know, quote-unquote losses, but it's the sports world, and people like to lean towards that. So I'm glad you bring those games up. It's another example of just, stuff that really is there when you when you look at it at face value. Well, he also hurt himself during the year his hand and then he came back, he missed four games, but then that had that good strong, you know, strong ending to the season. So, some of those losses he didn't even he didn't play in those games. Exactly. Broken hand, shoulder surgery, um, you know, didn't have a ton of off-season time to develop. Definitely one of those factors as well. So, and we also want to give you a lot of credit when you went came to BYU in 2017, the offense was ranked 118th in the country and last year it was ranked anywhere from like six to third in the country. So you certainly a huge improvement from 118 to three. And then coming into two, uh, to 2020, I saw on your Twitter page, you listed, they were listed the top like 118 quarterbacks in the country and, and he was ranked 50th 
coming into the year and on Athlon or whatever. And then suddenly, you know, he had this great year. But you had lost three senior starters at wide receiver. You have COVID to deal with. You had a schedule that was set up and that nobody can seem to, you know, every game was being canceled. And to, to have the year that he had, uh, just amazing. Number three, scoring offense in the country. Number eight, passing offense. Number one in yards per play. Uh, just tremendous. Yeah, just a, it's it's so awesome thinking about that, and it's just a credit to these players, man. They they they're so awesome, and players are what win games. Sometimes as coaches, you know, we we get too much credit, um, but also sometimes we we take the fall on things. But that is just a great great um, learning experience for all of us to see when players buy into things and have the skills that that our guys had. I think that's the product of what you see. So it's it's, it's just awesome to see all these guys their hard work pay off. And they said that like in 2019 oh he throws interceptions he had nine interceptions and then he must have done so you must have worked with him well because he went from 33 touchdowns uh, to, to with only three interceptions the whole year so that was really just an improvement to go from uh, to go th- to have a, a you know 33 to 3 uh ratio so what did he do to improve to get rid of to sort of get rid of the interceptions well in terms of improvement was just let him the things he could control, it's just getting healthy. It was time. It was experience. It was improving his own craft. But one of the other factors, aside from his injury and just, you know, developing and getting healthier, is that that second year of the nine interceptions was our um, the volatility on offense. We had a ton of, uh, you know, uh, guys moving positions, and there was no straight 5-0 lineman all season. The receivers, I was rotating. There were some injuries here and there. There just wasn't a lot of consistency to develop the chemistry you want on an offense. And and Zach takes the hit of that more than anyone. You know, there's a level of comfort that you can bring when you have the same receiving core and the same old line. That's what we had this past season. I thought that was also one of the big factors of why we were so successful, um, despite everyone pinning it on a whatever a lighter schedule is. We didn't I had the same three receivers all year, right? For the most part. We had the same backfield. We had the same O line. And obviously the quarterback who was healthy. So so I think that's that's a, a huge part of the change um, you know, in, in the seasons is, is is all those factors, is that team chemistry. And then the game that I is just remind remember is the uh Coastal Carolina game, the one, the green field or, or whatever color that field was, uh, the crazy field where you decide at the last minute, I think like on Tuesday or Wednesday, you decide to play in that game. And it was the most exciting game I saw all year, losing 22 to 17. You had uh, uh, Zach led the team down to the, on the final drive, got down to the one yard line and then t- and the clock ran out. But what a, what a tremendous game. Uh, it just, it just in terms of it was on just the, for the image in terms of BYU. Yeah, it was. Even though we obviously we were on the short end, we stick with that and in, in, in the results. There were a lot of things we could we we took from that game. It was a great learning experience and one we don't regret. We would take that game over a million times. But I think when you look past the loss, the emotions, the frustrations because of what was at stake, there were there were still some things that were valuable less life lessons for all of us as players and coaches that we were able to get out of that game. Well, I got to give you credit as someone who watched that game. There was a lot of late Coastal Carolina, I thought, got away with a lot of late hits. There was a lot of questionable calls. And you didn't see BYU complaining. I'm like, even after the game, I'm like waiting for BYU to say, wait a second. I mean, there was some blatant late hits. And I know you're crazy again. But I'm like, boy, BYU is so professional. They took this game on like two days notice. They go across the entire country. They get these bad calls and these late hits, and they're still not complaining. Yeah, you know, something fans, fans weren't able to see. They saw the game, the, the emotion. Um, of the game 
but in the locker room after the game, if if no if we didn't have any leaders, any maturity, you would have probably heard all of those things that just went through your head and reasons to to make excuses and, and point blame. But we had multiple leaders step up, and Zach was one of them after the game when emotions were so high to say, "Hey, this is on me." Right? Taking taking um, leadership ownership, even though they they could have easily justified not doing it. We just had a lot of guys come come to the team and say, "Hey." Let's move on, and and it was just it was an awesome ex, you know experience for me as a coach um, to see what happens when you have leaders and I think that's why no one was able to everyone was able to see our, our our true colors as a team, and that's part of the culture Kalani presents here is looking within and, and taking ownership of things, and it was awesome to be a part of despite the result. And then you go to the Boca Bowl, which is down here, just a, a twenty miles south of West Palm Beach. And just everybody who, I mean, there was limited attendance there at the game, but everyone who had an interaction with the BYU program was impressed. Everything, the professionalism. And, of course, Zach had an amazing game, 26 for 34 yards, 26 for 34, 425 yards, and the MVP of the game over Central Florida. So just a great experience to come here to South Florida and have a victory like that. Yeah, it was such a great experience for our whole team. Go down to a beautiful part of the country, so hospitable, everyone there involved. Central Florida is you know, such a great team who we have respect for. Um, the fan base on both sides. It was, it was just a, an awesome experience, a great game to be a part of. One I think all of us will, will remember to cap off such a great year. And just talk a little bit about what makes Zach. I mean, you're the passing game coordinator, work with the wide receivers. And I, I see him with his feet. You know, people say, you know, he's a mobile quarterback. He just seems to be so mobile. And also like the Patrick Mahomes style, being able to make those passes when he's on the run. And so the defense can't say, oh, he's going to run on this play or he's going to pass. Like he could do anything. Just, I mean, very similar to Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, one thing people I think obviously don't see um, with Zach is he studies film more than anybody I know. And he doesn't just study like, defenses and the team we're playing any given week when that guy's in his spare time he watches Aaron Rodgers Joey Joey Burrows LSU senior year he watches Patrick Mahomes like he watches hours and hours on those guys so there's this built up you know he has this built up database in his brain of quarterbacks of things he can physically do but when he reacts instinctively those things come out because he's he's built up this database of film he's just studied and so that's one thing I love about him, man. While, while guys are out doing stuff with their free time, which I think is healthy, by the way, you got to have a balance in life. Zach is just obsessing over film. It's one of the reasons he's where he's at today, and I think going to have a very long, successful career in the NFL because he loves nothing more than the game of football, and, and I think you know people are going to see that. And were you there on Pro Day when he had that tremendous pass? I, I saw something today on TV where he said, well, I, just, I didn't want to do a normal Pro Day. I wanted to throw crazy passes that no one ever would see. I, I, don't, I wasn't worried about risking, you know, making mistakes or anything. You know, that Pro Day was nothing in comparison to what he did every day in practice. That Pro <laughs> Day was – pro, we, we had Pro Day every day at practice, and he made some crazy throws. So it was, it was fun to see everyone's reaction – but none of us as players or coaches were like, oh, yeah, we, we've seen that every day. In fact, that wasn't even that great. You should have seen this one throw in this practice. So it was, it was funny to just to kind of see the, the difference, but awesome to, for everyone to see it on a national scale on TV like that. Wow. So, and how's his mindset approaching the draft? I mean, how does he feel in terms of, you know, people say he could go to the Jets, but you never know until you never know. You don't, you know, don't, anything can happen. Uh, what's, how's his mindset coming into, into the draft, which is uh, just a few days away? 
it's awesome. His mindset is where it should be. Um, I've been fortunate to stay in great contact. We've we spent a lot of time together in person um, from the season's end to now to heading up to the draft and talk consistently. And I've just been so impressed with his mentality. He's just level-headed. Nothing's getting to him. He understands anything that can happen. He remains humble, appreciative, and grateful for the opportunity he has to even be in this position, which is another reason why I just think he's, he's going to be so successful. So I've been really impressed with how he's handled this whole process. Well, Fessy, considering you're the person who discovered him, I mean, I think you'd be on the road. If I was the, the head coach of BYU right now, your cousin, I would have you out every day trying to define some sophomore football players that nobody else <laughs> wants. <laughs> you know, find the, hey. we, we need some more number two picks in the draft or three picks in the draft. Yeah, typically we would be out, but the NCAA has uh, a <laughs> dead period, so we cannot do anything till June first. But we're watching film and we're trying to find we're trying to find uh, the, the next Zach Wilson, no doubt. And Fessy, how do people follow you on Twitter? Because I went on your Twitter page, and you have a lot of it's really good, interesting stories, things like that. Love to see your family too; it's pretty cool. Yeah, awesome. I appreciate that. Yeah, no, my uh, my Twitter handle is uh, is at f sitake, so f. Um, and then my last name, S-I-T-A-K-E. So, well, That's great. Well, I really appreciate you coming on. I mean, you're, this, you're a great young coach in terms of football. Uh, besides having Zach Wilson, you're, you're excited for BYU and uh, going to be following you in the future. It's, so hopefully you'll have another, another potential NFL uh, superstar that we can call and ask about questions for in the next couple of years. So I appreciate you coming on Ira on Sports. Thank you, Ira. It was great, great talking with you. Appreciate, appreciate your time. Thanks so much.